Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I want to. Uh, I've been on this journey for the last couple weeks. My um, my stepfather passed away um, after uh, having cancer for two years. Um, my mom was going through it, and honestly, I, I wish you know I could tell my mom, and she probably may never hear this, but seeing the way that she loved him through two years of just taking him to the hospitals. And some of you may be able to relate to this as, as spouses or with your parents. And like just seeing her love him throughout those two years, you know, like seeing her do it selfishly, um, selflessly, um, the Lord just kind of moved on my heart. And so she asked me to say a couple things um, at his memorial service. And man, ever since I opened up my heart to that kind of little season a couple weeks ago, I just feel like the Lord has just given me a word in my heart that is burning, and it's the word of hope. And it actually came the opposite way because I was reading a verse. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, and I hope you got your Bibles because when I preach, we're going to be all over the Bible. That's just how I am. So get ready. When I preach, it's just we're everywhere. It's kind of how I live my life and how I am. I'm a Mr. Tangent. I get off on tangents. It's just how I am. Um, but First Thessalonians 4.13, I want you to see two sides of the coin here. I'm going to first talk about no hope, and then I'm going to show you hope. But what gripped my heart is as I was preparing, you know, talking about, you know, when, when we pass from death, to, uh, from, from the death in this life to the age to come, and when we step into eternity with God, you know, and all these last couple weeks have just been so much part of my whole just journey right now of when PGU's been preaching on obedience and the age to come and our rewards and all these things. And I read this verse in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, and it was like a knife in my heart. And it says, we don't, uh, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And when those two words, no Hope. When I read that, you know, you read, I've read it a hundred times, hundreds. That just pierced my heart. I want everybody to say, no hope. You have something in you that they don't have, they being the lost. It's called hope. And my heroes in the faith probably aren't what you expect. I love, you know, some of the big ministers that do all these crusades, and I've Throughout the years, I've had these heroes in the faith. And as I'm getting older and serving the Lord, older, I mean, I, I think about uh, his son, Jonathan. That's how old I am in a spirit. Like, I'm just starting to get facial hair. Like, I'm a teenager. <laughs> you know, like, that's how old I am in the spirit. So when I say older, like, you know, I'm a teenager in the spirit. Um, but as I grow in the Lord and throughout the years, my heroes are changing. And my hero is somebody, like, she, she's not here, but she serves at OHOP a lot. Some of you might know her. She's gonna, she'd be so embarrassed if she knew I was talking about her. She's not like this. Her name is Salinas. Um, just people that have gone through something and still trust God. When I look at this woman and I look in her eyes, and I spoke a similar message a couple weeks ago, and she stopped me and pulled me, and she said, she said you don't have an idea. This is what gets me through. I mean, she has a lot of sickness, a lot of pain in her body, and she's in the hospital um, throughout the years. And then I'd come in the prayer room and see her on the piano, playing in the prayer room and singing. To, I'm like, why is she here? Why is she not at home resting? You know, anybody can relate to this? Yeah. And I remember when I, I'm, I'm like, that's my hero. Somebody that goes through something and has faith and hope in the midst of tribulation and testing. That's my hero. 
And she was telling me, she goes, I was just in the hospital last week, and, you know, I'm in all this pain, and these, these ladies, they come in, and they know me because I go to the hospital so much. And they know when I'm there, they get excited because they have prayer requests. And they come into my hospital room, and they ask me to pray for them. And, there, and this lady was there last week, and I was praying for her, and she was telling me about her marriage, and she's weeping. I'm just like, you're in the hospital. <sighs> We're so immature. We're so selfish. I'm, I'm talking to me. I'm preaching to that guy in the front row. It's Enrique. He's sitting down. I'm so selfish. I'm so immature. I go through something. I complain. I whine and moan like a baby. I look at these people, these, these people that go through something, and I look in their eyes like, how do you do it? It's hope. And when I read that verse, no hope, and I look at the, uh, those people that they're going through something, or maybe those that are going through, uh, they lose a child, a friend of ours in the ministry lost her son, and, and she's still praising God and going through it. I'm just like, Lord, how do you get a hope like this? I'm like, God, I don't know what's happening, but are you preparing me? It's like I'm some maniac in my head. Like, are you, like, something bad about to happen? Like, why are you speaking to me about hope? And I just feel like, and it's a situ- similar situation I went through where I, I, I was, re- you know, looking at my bookshelf, and I was like, you know, I'm kind of bored in my, my readings, right? You know, anybody else like me sometimes, like, I just want to ch- change, right? I'm like, I want something to change. So I look at my bookshelf, like, what do you want, God? I want to go somewhere else. Like, you got to speak to me. And I saw a book one time, and it said Humility by Andrew Murray. If you've never read it, don't read it. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah, I remember I read this a couple years ago. Such, such a good book. And I bring it down. And the very beginning of the book talks about humility. And it's just boom, 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 right? I'm like, yes. And I said a prayer that I don't recommend <laughs> if your flesh wants to prosper. I said, Lord, humble me. I said, Lord, teach me humility. Six months later, I was out of ministry. My marriage was going into... Huge, huge trouble. My wife and I, were, were we, we had no hope. I had no hope in my future, in my destiny. I was so sure that I was headed in a direction in ministry, and I was going to do this and do that and do this. I had all these dreams, and all of a sudden I asked God for humility, and everything came crashing down. Maybe This might not be for some of you guys. Some of you guys might have your life all perfect. I don't know. You might want to go to the perfect church. But for me, I was going through it, and I had no hope. And I remember during that season, like, questioning God, like, God, you told me you were going to do this. I didn't ask for this. You gave me these dreams. You put the, and that's why we keep talking about dreams, like, you put the dream in my heart, so now why do I have to suffer? You're the one that said you wanted me to do this. Now, now I have to, now why am I going through that? You asked to be humble. We don't know, so I want want to talk about that a little bit today. Jeremiah 21, verse 11. Here's the other side of the coin. I'm not going to be all negative, I promise. Jeremiah 29, 11. For the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a, say it. And you will call upon me and pray to me and I will listen and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The name of this message is the strength of divine hope. When you go through something, what's going to get you through it? Because either one, you've gone through it already, 
Or two, it's coming around the corner because guess what? That is the kingdom of God, and that is a story that we will walk. As we go into eternity, we're going to walk in with our stories, and our stories aren't going to be as pretty as you think. Was Jesus as pretty? Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to talk about three people real quick. And stay with me because I want to show you this journey real quick, and then I have some key things that I want to talk to you about. I'm going to give you a definition of hope that I believe the Lord gave me. But first, I want to talk about three people. First one is Joseph. Anybody know the story of Joseph? Look at Genesis 37, verse 5. Joseph, everybody said, had a dream. Joseph had a dream, and he told his brothers, and they hated him even more. <laughs> you ever had a dream and shared it with somebody? The Lord's going to bless me. The Lord's going to give me this. And the Lord said he's going to do this. And you share it. And they're like, why you and not me? Why, what's your, why are you so special? I love the, the, toward the end of the verse how it says, and he shared the dream. And his brother said to him, so you're going to reign over us? And you're going to have dominion over us? And they hated him even more for the dream. I'm telling you, God has put this dream in your heart, guys. I didn't share any of this with the pastors, just so you know. God has put a dream in your heart. There's a hope in your heart. There is something he has spoken to you, and you may have shared it with people. You may, may, may have shared it, and you may not have seen the fruit of it, but that dream, there is a procedure. There is a process you must go through. Ask Joseph. Now, I want to I make sure I'm, I'm clear on something. If Joseph never pursued his dream and completed his dream, there would be no Jesus and no Israel. There would be no nation uh, 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 that the Lord has highlighted. There would be no gospel without a man who's had a dream and stuck it through. Because of Joseph enduring, what's the story? We know the story. So Joseph has a dream. They toss him into slavery. He's li uh, Potter's wife lies about him being righteous. He's tossed into jail. In jail, they forget about him. I mean, I'm just, just he's just piling it on. And I can imagine Joseph when he's in jail and he's thinking about the dream. He's like, Lord, you gave me this dream. I know it was you, God. I've been faithful. So then I'm tossed into jail, then I'm faithful again, and they forget about me. Here I am. And not knowing the end of the story. See what happens when you don't know the end of the story? You can't be like God. <laughs> His ways are not our ways. When God has seen the story, the Bible says he knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. He's the alpha and omega, the author and finisher. He knows your story. So when God looks at your life and he knows your story and you don't see the end. Have you ever watched a movie before? Well, actually, here's one. I went to watch well, uh, uh, Star Wars and somebody told me that Han Solo died. Which is like the highlight of the movie. And I remember going to the movie like, and I'm a big Star Wars fan, so excuse me. So I'm going to the movie like, I know Han Solo dies. So then the, the moment comes and it's happening. I'm like, he's going to die. Zero emotion. I have nothing. I, I, I know what's about to happen, right? Because I knew what was going to happen. When you realize and understand the end of the story and you see the dream and there's a hope in you, you're not going to be tossed to and fro. I got a verse for you. It's James chapter 1, verse 12, uh, verse 2. You know what? Put it up real quick. James 1, verse 2. Look at this. We, we, we need to wake up in the church. We need to wake up. 
I'm going through it again. Wait, are you a Christian? Yeah. So why are you surprised? <laughs> Look at James 1 verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Keep going. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Everybody say patience. Oh, we don't like that word. Because then you might turn like, you might become like Jesus if you get some patience. How many parents in here know about patience? Come on. But let patience have its perfect work. Oh, that's so beautiful. And let it be complete, lacking nothing. If anything, any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God. Careful with that. <laughs> Careful asking God for wisdom. Who gives you all without liberty? He's going to answer you. It's going to make sense at the end of the story. He will wipe away every tear from your eye. It is a promise from God. Verse 6, but when you ask, ask in faith, in faith because when there's doubting, it's like a wave in the sea driving, tossed by the wind. For not let any man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord if he's double-minded. That's the opposite of hope, what you just read. The opposite of the dream is doubt. And when the, the enemy knows when doubt can come regarding your dream, your purpose, what God has put in your heart, what God has called you to, when doubt comes, when you pray, your prayers are unheard. That's why Satan came in the garden and said, did God say to Eve? Did God say? Because if God did not say, and wait, did God give you that dream, Joseph? How about David? Oh, there's another one. So David our king, right? You know, imagine the day that, 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 uh, that Samuel comes in and he pours the oil on David. David probably like, if it was me and I got oil poured on me from the great prophet, when I lift my head up, I would have been like, here I am, your great king. That would have been me. It's time. Let's go ahead. Where's my, where's my army? Let's go and take your, that's what they wanted to do to Jesus too. Jesus, you're the king. Come on, let's take Jesus. And they try to put Jesus on a pedestal. They try to lift Jesus up and make him king by force. Jesus is like, you don't understand the process. You don't understand the process that it takes to achieve the dream. David, you're the great king. Awesome. What happens? Run away for years and years and hide in a cave. And be be terrorized by armies. And then when you have a chance to have redemption and revenge, then I hold back your hand and you can't even have the revenge. I mean, it's just, the story just blows your mind. And in the midst of this, David was faithful. David held on to the promise, even in the midst of the testing. And then just fast forwarding through the story, he becomes king, and then as he's king, his son tries to kill him. And he's going to run again. I can imagine after David became king, like, finally, I made it through. Here I am. I'm, and, and, and not to realize that his very son will make him do the very thing that he, he thought he had already accomplished. You have to run again. It's beautiful. But look at what David has to say. Look at Psalm 37. Psalm 37, has, and PG quotes it, of course, in our prayer meeting before we come out. I'm like, PG, quiet. Quiet. Stop praying scripture because everything you're praying is in my notes. I have proof, I promise. 
Psalm 37, if I had to tell my kids to live out a passage, I would tell them to live out Psalm 37. I'm a teacher by nature, so Psalm 37 is your homework. Meditate on this entire chapter. I'm telling you, you will not, it will be impossible for you to live without hope. This is my hope chapter right here. Let's just read through it real quick and let the Bible preach. Psalm 37. Oh, this is so beautiful. Look, I'm just going to read it. Verse 1. We'll just go through it. Follow in your Bible with me. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. The Lord is asking you, I want you to do something right now. Close your eyes. Here's both sides of that, hope and no hope. Ready? I want you to think about the toughest time you ever went through. This might not be easy for some of you guys. This might be hard, and it's okay. God, God, Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's going to give you hope through this. Watch. Think about that moment, the dark. I had people tell me it's called the dark night of the soul. Whatever that looked like for you. What, what is that dark night of the soul? Just close your minute, your, your eyes for a minute. Just think about it. Just the, the despair you felt. Just the, the loneliness you felt. The anxiety, the fear, how it all comes. You had no hope in that place. Now I want you to think about how God got you through it. Now I want you to think about when God was faithful when you thought he would never be faithful. I want you to think about the moment that God answered your prayer. I got to be careful because then I won't be able to preach. Think about that moment. Think about when you saw the end of the story and how now you look back at that despair and you see God's faithfulness. Think about it. Feed on it. Feed on the fruit of his faithfulness. Now open your eyes. What did that do for you? What did that just do for you? Remembering the despair and then remembering his faithfulness. <sighs> I'm telling you, when you see God come through, there's nobody can convince me that God cannot save a marriage. Nobody can convince me that it's impossible that no matter what, I don't love my wife, I don't love my husband. You can't tell me something that I've been through. You can't tell me, I could tie this in with ministry as well. You can't tell me your side of the story. It's not going to affect my perspective because I found God faithful. And when I find God faithful, nothing is going to hold me back. Because now if I go through it again, guess what I have to pull on? His faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's a promise. He's given you a dream. He's given you a desire, and he will fulfill it. If you, but you have some, there's some, some rules that go along with this. You must commit your way to the Lord. You must trust in him, and he will bring it to pass. He will bring forth your righteousness as light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Everybody say rest. Every time I watch a movie with my kids that I've seen a 100 times, 
like Frozen or uh, my son is obsessed with like the same movies. He has to watch the same movie, like this Aladdin movie. We've seen it like every single day, like the new Aladdin. Like I, I fall asleep. Because I know the story, I rest. <laughs> it looks a little different. It's not as pretty in the spirit. But I rest because I've already seen it. <laughs> I've been through it already so I can rest. Guess what? When you haven't gone through it and you're in the middle of it, of course there's, there's worry. Of course there's anxiety. But what did Jesus say? Come unto me. Come unto me. You can't carry that on your own. Hallelujah. And last but not least, Jesus. And then we're going to get into a couple passages here on hope. Jesus is our example. I want you to picture Jesus in heaven. And I almost imagine Jesus as he took his cross while we were praying and we were worshiping. I saw this. Like Jesus actually bore his cross and he walked into heaven with it. Here's my cross. And it's like he put it up. That's my cross. And he says, all you who want to come after me, pick up, pick up your cross. Now your cross and Jesus' cross look different. Your cross is your cross. There might be sickness in your life. I pray healing. There might be brokenness. I pray wholeness. There might be a, a financial lack. I pray prosperity. But whatever the cross that you're bearing is, God has chosen it for you, and you have the strength to bear it. No matter what you're going through, that cross is your cross. Jesus says, you want to come after me? Do what I did. I bore my cross. Now it's time for you to wear up to carry your cross. Here's a problem in the church. Here's a problem with Christianity today. We want the power of the resurrection without the death of the cross. We want the power and the glory and the anointing and the, 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 the light of Jesus without the suffering and the fellowship of his brokenness. You don't think Jesus was lonely on the cross? You don't think Jesus felt alone when he says, Abba, why have you forsaken me? Go before that, Jesus in the garden. Abba, Father, is there any other way? Can this cup pass for me? Is there any other way, Abba? What do you think the answer to the question was? No. Jesus asked, and there was no other way. Eternity is a narrow path, and there are few who find it because they give up. Because when trial and testing come, the Bible says, build your house on the rock that when the rains come. Guys, I don't know why I have this message burning in my heart. I don't know why God, God wants me to speak it, but I could tell you this. I'm building my house. I am building my foundation. I'm putting up the walls. I'm building my house right now because I don't know when the storm is coming. I don't know when your storm is coming or if it's already here, and I'm just encouraging you through it. But the storm is coming. It might be a storm. I don't, it, might be, it might seem insignificant in the eyes of man, or it might be a, a big story globally as persecution in the church. I don't know. But see, like the problem, like, see, like, like last couple days, PG, I went through some persecution. You want to hear my persecution in America? My persecution. We've been persecuted in the church. I'm trying to bear my cross. You want to know about my persecution? I had no AC in my house. 
I know there's some crazy persecution, right? That's just, that's, my, that's, the, that's the cross I got to carry, you know, like, this is, help me, Lord, right? <laughs> right? No, I see, I'm joking, obviously. My point is this, like, and even in that, I was not happy, just for the record. <laughs> Things come, and we, we look at them, and, and we, we like, oh, God, I have my, can't pay my car bill. I can't, and there's people in China dying for the gospel. And there's somebody waking up every morning believing God to heal them from their cancer, and we're worried because we can't pay our light bill. Or because we can't get this certain car or that certain house that we want. And we have so much complaint within us, and people are waking up with so much faith and hope, and they put us to shame, man. I'm talking to myself. When I look at that, that lady, Selena's eyes, and I, and I see her faith, and she goes to that hospital and pray, oh, God, why am I so selfish? Help me, Lord. I want to be like her, man. I'm going to give you the definition of hope. I was praying a couple weeks ago, and I just started asking God, like, you know what, Lord? I don't know what hope is. I always well, tell me what hope is. Well, hope is faith. You're right. We got to have faith. No, hope is not faith. It's hope. Faith is faith. Faith is faith. Hope is hope. It's two different things. They're very connected, but they're different. And that foundation that I'm building, the picture I see is like hope is like that foundation, and faith is the actual activation of the hope that you already have. My def- here's my definition that the Lord gave me, so it's not, not biblical. It's, it's an Enriqueical, if that's a word. Not <laughs> hope is the divine strength which comes through the knowledge and belief of what is to come. I'm going to read it one more time. Hope is the divine strength which comes through the knowledge and belief of what is to come. It's something that gets you through it, like Jesus. Here's my example. Jesus standing before the Sanhedrin. They're hitting him. They're mocking him. Prophesy now, son of God, who hit you? They're mocking Jesus. And, and, and here's, here's the problem that Sanhedrin see in Jesus, that throughout all of the persecution and all the, the beatings, Jesus is quiet. And it's driving them crazy. How can you be quiet, Jesus? Just imagine God. I saw a book three days ago. I was in a customer's home. He was a Christian. Uh, and I was, in, I was, like, putting up stuff, and I'm looking at his library because I like books. I'm like, ooh, what does he got? And I saw a book, and it was called The Sneezing Jesus. I don't know what it is. I've never read. I'm going to look it up and buy it. But I, you know what? Jesus had a cold one time, a runny nose. <laughs> God became man. God left his throne of glory. He already had glory. He already was the God of glory. He created the earth, and he looked down, and he saw people with no hope, and he said, that's not okay. But in the church, we look at people with no hope, and we want to throw them aside. We want to cast them off, and we say we're too busy for it. We got to do this. We got to do that. When God sees a person with no hope, he kicks off his throne, and he comes down to them with no hope. He bore flesh, had a a, a tummy ache as a baby. I mean, I know this is simple, but this is Jesus. He became a man, and then if he just became a man, that would have been enough. But then that man took on a cross And we go through something and we want to throw it all away. 
Jesus bore the cross. He's saying if you want to enter into glory, if you want to enter RCC into the glory that I have called you through, then when you're going through it, remember the dream set before you, right? Bear your cross with strength. Jesus standing before the Sanhedrin. They say, Jesus, by, by God, I command you, answer me. Are you the son of God? And Jesus then had to let it out. He had to show what was in him, what was getting him through everything, what was getting him past every punch that had to ask his permission. Through every nail in his hand, every, he answered. He said, sure enough, you will see the son of God coming in the clouds of glory with the great glory of my father. Jesus saw it so he can go through it. Satan asked Jesus, Jesus, bow down to me. I'll give you the nations. Why would I do that, devil? I already have the nations. (laughs) Devil sees Jesus barren of authority. Jesus has all authority confidently within him already. Hope. He knew what he was already given. He didn't have to get it the the cheap way, the shortcut. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You can send the worship team up when I got like 10 minutes left, PG, whenever that is. You guys okay? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know Jesus, but I want to know the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. First Corinthians 15. What is this? The last Adam, look at this verse. There's always the first. It's the first man called Adam being a living being. And the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. I want you to see this. First Corinthians 15:45. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first. Uh-oh. You want to see the signs, wonders, miracles, right? You want to see the prosperity of your business. You want to see it. You want to see the spiritual first. But God's like, that is not the process. The spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. See, the, the, our, our Israeli brothers and sisters haven't got this part. There's a veil over their eyes. They thought Jesus was supposed to come and become Messiah. They didn't understand the weeping, broken man on the cross. This is our story. This is what we're called to. Who wants to be a part of this? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not, trust me, I'm not that guy. I'm I'm not putting my hand up. Do I want to be a part of it? No. Do I have to? Yes. Is it coming? I think so. I need to get ready. (laughs) The spiritual is not first. The natural, the man of dust. Look what it says. The man of dust. So we are first made dust. You know what dust is? Sickness. Backache. Something in your body, I can't, I, God, I believe in healing. It doesn't mean God is not a God of healing. Financial lack, struggle, you tried it three times, your business imploded, you lost money, but you were told to do it, nothing's working out for you. Dust, natural. God's like, you're going to make it through? How are you going to get through it? How is going to be, what is going to be your, your uh, uh, spiritual identity through the test of dust, of the natural? Because once you break in past that, let's think about this for a second. I was thinking about this during worship. Lazarus, I'm sick. Jesus is coming. He's coming. Don't worry. Don't worry, Mary. Jesus is coming. Don't worry, Martha. He's coming. He's my friend. He's coming. He'll be here any minute. 
He's healed everybody else. He's my friend. Lazarus talking. This, Jesus is my friend. He's, of course he's going to be here any minute. Hey, uh, just so you know, Lazarus, we got the word to Jesus. He knows that you're sick. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus knows I'm sick. It's only a matter of time. He's going to kick in that door, and he's going to bring in. He's going to pray for me, and I'm going to be healed. <sighs> Lazarus, he's sick. He's going, okay, it's, it's been a day, Jesus. Where, where are you at? It's been two days, Jesus. He's getting sicker and sicker. Uh, uh. Mary comes in a room, or Martha, uh, I, I, he knows, Lazarus, just, just hold on. Jesus will be here any minute. And all of a sudden, everything gets foggy, and Lazarus dies. And now Lazarus is in the grave for three days, but it still wasn't enough. <laughs> three days of darkness, no answer to prayer, completely c- gone away, lost his breath, passed into the eternity, and in eternity, Jesus kicks down the grave and says, Lazarus, come forth. I mean, imagine Lazarus' story after that. Now, Lazarus, when he's in a sickbed, probably didn't have the same story, right? But Lazarus, as he resurrected, you think his story changed? During the process... Doubt probably might have set in. I don't know. But during the process, I'm sure it was tough. But boy, at the end of the story, when Lazarus looked back, the Bible says in Acts that his testimony went all across the earth. The testimony of Lazarus was so serious that they wanted to kill Lazarus and martyr him. Because when you go through something, you got, and you have somebody that you're going to tell what you went through because they're going through it. Oh, that's called the power of resurrection. Why? You were dead and you've been redeemed and resurrected. You came out of it. God just keeps bringing people struggling in their marriage to me and my wife. I don't know. I don't have the right. I don't know. I can't tell you all the perfect verses. I could try, but I could tell you this we made it. We made it through it. I could tell you this we, we, We lost a child, but I look at my son, Wesley, I say, there's the answer. Went through it. No redemption, right? Stayed hopeful. Trust God. And then I look at my son every time I see him, and I just think, what it was like before he came, like, the little season that I had doubt, the little season that I questioned, the little season that I didn't know the end of the story, and I look now and I see the face of redemption. Driving me crazy. <sighs> Be careful what you dream about. Because your dream might drive you crazy. Come on, somebody. Oh, Jesus. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm almost done, I promise. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the tangible. You can see the faith for the foundation. And that word substance means confidence. Why are you going through something? Because maybe when you're done going through it, you're going to be confident that if you ever go through something again, you know what the end of the story is going to show you. (sighs) The confidence of things hoped for. Faith is the confidence. It's the substance of what was hoped for. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. I'm almost done. A couple more verses and we're done. Oh, Jesus, this is, this is the one that just gets me. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Romans 5, 3. 
We glory in tribulation. We look at the apostles. They're beaten after they share the gospel, and they come out of the jail praising God. I mean, what a song we were singing earlier by, by um, uh, Zach. I mean, I'm praising up the mountain. No matter where, if I'm in the valley, if I'm in the mountaintop, I don't want to be shallow enough that I only praise when everything is going good. I'm building my house. I'm putting my stakes in the ground. I'm putting up the walls. I'm preparing for the coming storm that is going to come with doubt, fear, anxiety, darkness is going to come and try to take over us. It's going to try to tear down your house. That is, you might have been building your house for 10 years, and one storm can knock it down if you're not faithful, if you're not obedient, and if you don't trust and have hope. You could have had a dream you've been working on for 15 years, and one bad situation knock it all down, and the, the devil will come and snatch that seed right out of you. we got to build and trust Tribulation comes, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. You don't give up easy. I don't know why she comes to work every time she's got a good attitude. I don't know why every time that they keep abusing her and, and making fun of her and they keep using her and mocking her, but she perseveres, man. She don't give up. When your friends or your coworkers or your family members look in your eyes, what do they see? Are they jealous about the hope and faith you walk in? Does it draw them to curiosity of how can they get through this the way they are? How have they, have they not given up? How have they not given up? Is it drawing a curiosity in the church as we leave these four walls and we go to our place of, uh, that God has called us, no matter how small or big it is, does it draw curiosity from others to go, what is it about you? So much hope and so much faith. Never seen a real Christian before. You know how many times I've heard that? Not for myself. God, please. But you know how many times people have told me I've never met a real Christian? Like a real Christian. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> it's somebody who's real, <laughs> who doesn't give up when it first comes, first sign of testing. You know people like that, like the waves. Perseverance produces character. Look at your neighbor in the eye and slowly say this word. Say, character. Oh, that's scary. That is scary. Don't nobody look at me and say that word. I'm not looking at anybody's face. Because I know if I want character, there's a process. If I want care, if I just want anointing, the Bible says the gifts of God are without repentance. Anybody can have the gifts. Yeah, gifts of God, God gives gifts openly, freely. You want character? It takes process. It takes a process of stripping you of all you are so you end up with all of who he is. That I would decrease, that you would increase. Humble me, God. I want to follow you. You want to be my disciple? Take up your cross. Produces character. And character... Look at it. This is it. Produces hope. Everybody say hope. Because I've been persevered. I've gone through it. I've had character through it. I was faithful through it. And you could stand in that faithfulness. You know what that looks like? That says, you know what? Because there's sometimes stuff happens in your life that's your fault. Oh, is that okay? <laughs> it's your fault. Uh, you, you know, financial struggles because you want too many things, you buy too many things. Is that possible? <laughs> Right? I mean, there's certain things in life that you blame God for, but it's your fault. 
And then there's other times, this is what I'm talking about now, I could be your friend again. There's other times where I know it's not my fault. Joseph, you gave me the dream, God. It's not my fault. I was faithful. I didn't touch Potter's wife, and now I'm cast into prison. It wasn't my fault. Hope. Why? Because character. Character produced hope in me because when I persevered, the character withstood. There's nothing like you coming to church and standing in worship, and when you worship, you know you're clean. Not in your own strength, not in striving in your own righteousness, and really in brokenness. You want an example? Christina and the team said they were struggling this morning with sound and with preparation. Is that true? You guys started really late and everything was all messed up. It's okay. You can be honest. Kind of, you know, sort of. Stuff was all messed up. She's like, yep. How powerful was that worship time? (laughs) Oh, maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe it's just a coincidence that in their weakness, it became strength. Maybe it's a coincidence that in the weakness of your flesh is when God will start to use you in the most powerful way you'll ever see. I can't tell you how many times, I, you know, me and my wife, are, the finances are tight. These are, I'm just going through it. I said, you know what? I got nothing, God. So it's just going to be you. And I just, I'll speak what you put in my heart. But I got nothing to offer, Lord. And the Holy Spirit falls. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. God, use me. God, call me to the nations. God, raise me up. God's like, okay. You ready for weakness? You ready for character? Then you'll have hope. Last verse and I'm done. Look at Romans 15, 13. This is my prayer. Go ahead and stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 15, verse 13. This is my prayer for my life and my prayer for you guys as well turn to it real quick. Hallelujah. Come Holy Spirit. I just, I feel hope in the room. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) That's why the devil wants to keep you home. That's why he doesn't want you to hear the word of God. Because if you hang around people with faith enough, you're not going to, you're going to have faith. And if you hang around people with hope, guess what? When you go through something, you're going to have hope. Because you know, you know, you ever been through something and you just want to hang around people that are all depressed too? Because you want to be depressed. Something in you, your your sin, your depression, your anxiety, sometimes it attracts others who are depressed, who are full of anxiety, who are full of fear, who are full of lack, who are poor. You just get around them because it makes you feel like you belong. But that's not where you belong. I don't want to go to church because everybody's so happy and full of joy and, and I'm having a rough week. That's the reason why God has called the fellowship of the church and the body. Romans 15, 13 is our prayer. May, everyone just put your hand in the air. Just say, just me, Lord, right here. This is for me. This is for me. Don't look at your neighbor. This is for you. I don't know if you're either going through it, gone through it, or about to go through it, but this is for you. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That word overflow means, means abound. Abound where so much that it's literally flowing over. That, that's our prayer. That God of hope would fill you with so much hope that it's overflowing out of you. No matter where you go. It actually means in the, in the Greek that is enough for others. It's actually one of the definitions. It overflows so much that there's enough for others. 
Hey, I got enough hope. You want to borrow some? I've got enough hope to get me by. I could, I could give you a little bit if you want to share some hope. Isn't that what church is supposed to be about? Isn't that what brothers and sisters that you know are supposed to do for one another? That's why the devil wants to isolate you and put you in a corner and fill you with doubt, fear, anxiety. Because when you get around people that have hope, you get filled with hope. You get filled with your dreams again. You walked in with no dreams, and your dreams have been revived in, in, a, in two hours. In a two-hour service, years of doubt, years of anxiety. You had that dream. You stuffed it away. You come into service two hours later, you're leaving with hope. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Come on. Let's pray for a minute. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts. Build our houses on the foundation of hope, God. The hope that surpasses understanding God. The God of hope that you would give us, Lord God, something. No matter what we go through, God, no matter when the testing comes, no matter how many times I fall, Psalm 37 says, it says, you may fall, but the Lord will uphold you with his hand. You may stumble, no matter how many times I stumble, God. You pick me up every time. Come Holy Spirit right now. Come Holy Spirit. Just give the Lord a minute. We're almost done. If you guys have to go, I'm, I'm sure you're dismissed. You can go. Just give the Lord a couple minutes to just put this seed in you because I don't know what's coming. I don't want you to give up in the midst of your trial. Come Holy Spirit right now. Fill us with hope. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.